your time and trust in me, your podcast host, Dave Hanratty. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to this week's episode. It's time to get into the realm of Eurodance and sitting opposite me with mirth in his face, a gaiety in his voice, a frolic in his step. It's the returning Hugh Kerr. Bonsoir. Very good, very good. Very yes. Eurodance. I had to be... I actually, I really hope that you noticed this whenever... So, to Sonic Architect Adam, I hope you noticed that whenever I was sending over the, the top five that I labelled them all Eurodance. I did notice mm. that. And that is going to be lost on the listener, unfortunately, but was not it's lost, lost on me. It's lost on me as well. I didn't tell you. Okay. I, I was like, I'm going to make this a little surprise uh, because I feel like it was just right there. It was too yeah. easy to, to not do. Um, but now I feel uh, disgusting and ashamed for putting my own name into a pun like that. Remind us, remind us, Hugh, who are you again? Uh, You've been on I, recently, Midwest emo correspondent, but on this episode, Eurodance correspondent, but apart from that. Yeah, very different vibes that I'm bringing to the pod. I think every time I show up, you, you don't really know what to expect. Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm a, I'm a little bit of a writer boy, a little bit of a social content creator boy. Uh, I'm a podcaster, but an Irish language podcaster, so we're not stepping on each other's turf. Because uh, that was my main concern. That but. was a proviso that we drew out in a blood pact mm-hmm. that we put together. Oh, actually, sorry. I witnessed it. I should say as well that I've just jogged my own memory. We, of course, have entrance music for Hugh. Because last time he was here, we played Sami Zayn's entrance music. Because like, he's a big wrestling fan. Yeah. So his updated wrestling theme is as follows. Oh my god, no way. What? Let's welcome these folks to the Oso Penitentiary. Let's go, Oos. <laughs> down since. Day one-ish. We've been down since. Hearing that live was insane. I'm you not went to lie. Money in the Bank in June? I did see. I went to Money in the Bank and I saw this is going to make make no sense to people who aren't interesting, but I saw Roman Reigns pinned for the first time since 2020, 20, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. It's a big so, deal. Huge deal. Massive deal. The He's first still time. the tribal chief, though, but this isn't a wrestling podcast. As much as I would love it to be, it's not. It's a Eurodance podcast. It's a music podcast, everybody. So yeah, Hugh is a writer, a social content creator, a podcaster, an all-around good boy. Yeah. Did I leave anything out? I think that's pretty... I think All Around Good Boy kind of covers most of my bases, I think. I think okay. it's probably the safest best. And you have chosen the top five topic for this week. It is Eurodance. Can you explain this topic? I can indeed. Um, so it was very heavily inspired by uh, the works of one Mr. DJ Crazy Times and Biliana Electronica, uh, the song that's gone massively viral on TikTok uh, in the last few weeks, the the planet of the bass. Um, which but we I spoke about last week with Michael Fry. Yes, which you did, did speak about last week with Michael Fry. Um, and it kind of like woke up this like severe level of nostalgia. I think that's like when you asked me to just define it, I was like, it is fully the soundtrack of nostalgia. Like you hear those like sunny synths and that like four on the floor sound, like the bass drum and the, um, it just makes you want to dance, but dance in a very cheesy way. Uh, it's the soundtrack of every junior disco, the soundtrack of every Gale Talk disco that I was at. Um, many's a day spent trying to chance my arm when I was a little 15 year old while these songs were playing over and over again. Um, but it's kind of like you've been 
I suppose like for I was trying to explain to someone where it's like it's like the soundtrack of everyone's collective childhood like from from I would say like late 80s up to like 2010 maybe 20, 2009 whatever it's just everywhere like that was just the soundtrack that was everywhere for um, me though it was much before that and I will very much be leaning on a particular a particular time period from it you know because I'm I, I, as was as was rubbed in my face last week, I'm a slightly older gentleman than some of the people who come on this show. So I'll be I'll be deriving my time from the top thirty hits era. Oh wow! Of Dave's life, I should say. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that later on. We haven't done a news section on the show in over a month. Oh my god! That wasn't even a planned thing. We just had like long form interviews and kind of special episodes. So you know, it was a good month, I think. But it's time to get back to the grind. Back to the to the that journalistic itch that you exactly. wanted to scratch. You know what? Let's scratch. scratch it. We're gonna scratch it. Scratch it, Adam. <laughs> Start spreading the news. And I find myself listening, listening to the middle distance, listening to the clarion call that hasn't been on this show for quite some time. Adam, I think you know what I'm talking about. Melvin Ben. <laughs> He's back. Melvin Ben, the Festival Republic Supremo, who, of course, is overseeing Electric Picnic. He did an interview. We haven't had a chance to use that sting for about a year. Every year I wait for this day. For Every year I wait for this day. And it has not, like, I th- what has it been? Three years now <laughs> since we've started with, with Ben Bong. And absolutely every time it's the same satisfaction. For anyone who's heard that for the first time, your life will never be the same. But also, um, I think ultimately we have a situation where... Who is he? How do you define this man? I mean, he is essentially the the head of music itself. I think the, the king, the king of tunes, the king of live music, really. So he is he, like he is Festival Republic, which dominates the festival scene and beyond. Um, he was overseeing Wireless Festival, Latitude Festival, Leeds and Reading, and of course, we are but weeks away but from weeks away. an Irish festival that I will not be attending. Are you going to Electric Picnic? I am performing at Electric Picnic. Well, so, there you go. So, so I am. I, so Melvin Ben, a special thank you for allowing me to. He booked you personally, did he? Melvin Ben came to my house in the middle of the night, knocking on the window uh, with a little scratch of his fingernail uh, to wake me up, and uh, said to me, "I'm telling you, he was he kind of like cut like a circle out of it, like he was like doing like a bank heist, like out of my front window." And I said, "Melvin, you're going to have to pay for that." Uh, And he didn't answer in that regard, but he did tell me that I was going to be doing Irish language comedy twice. On the Saturday, um, once at three p.m. He's got a very game. regal British accent as well. So he, he's like, "You shall come to the ball." It's not quite that. It's, <laughs> more, it's, it's more like docile. But anyway, like he did an interview this week with the Irish Times, and I see. I was flicking through my Twitter X, whatever it's called these days, timeline, and I um, I just saw his his, his features, you know, and I was like, "There he is." <laughs> I was like, "There he is." He's standing there with the backdrop of a picnic, and I, I I just felt safe again. Yeah, I don't know. He just, he really killed COVID single-handedly, didn't he? He ended it. He ended it all. Took him longer than he thought it would, but nonetheless. <laughs> anyway, look, the headline was great. It was, there are always people complaining, which is a great headline. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, by the way, he'll fucking hate that. So uh, the quote is talking about, you know, getting the mix right at the festival. And of course, we all know Picnic has generated into a, a massive behemoth. Uh, he said, we never managed to satisfy everybody. There are always people complaining that the lineup hasn't got this or that act. If you focus on the music lineup this year with the headliners, Billie Eilish, The Killers, Fred Again, Niall Horan, and acts such as Johnny Marr, Young Fathers, Jamie XX, Tom Adele, and Rick Astley, what we try and do is present a daily diet of something for all the elements of the festival. People of every generation attend Electric Picnic, so we have to have something for them all, including the little picnic for the kiddies. 
That aside, while there's no shortage of music acts, it's always a challenge to fit into their touring schedules. The major names I just mentioned get offers from all of the premier festivals, so it's key that we maintain Picnic as one of the most world's first blah, 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 blah. I'm getting bored just reading it. I mean, look, I've, I've been in the room before when he's been interviewed, and it is, you know, difficult questions aren't really, aren't really on the horizon. And if they yeah. are, you know, if a journalist does actually volley one-fourth, it's not really in the script, you know? No. It's all about, this is the best ever. Listen. It's the greatest thing of all time, and you're going to fucking love it. So he's asked about, you know, gender balance, which, of course, is an ongoing conversation at festivals. And he said that there's a festival public program called Rebalance, which he plans to bring to Ireland. He's, you know, he's talking about, you know, they're, they're moving in that direction. You know, he says, you know, it gives young female artists who have no record contract, no agent, no manager, the opportunity to record in a studio and... You know, this, that, and the other. You said, like, you know, it needs a bit more proactivity from people in order to make that change, but there's no question in mind that we will get there. So there you go. I mean, like, you look at festivals like Primavera, which have a 50-50 thing, and I guess Picnic mm-hmm. is still a little bit way off, but, yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about him, you know? I just miss him. He's, a, you know? uh, he's an interesting character. I think it's also funny whenever organizers of things are always like, you know, we'd love to do this. I'm like, you're organizing it. You do it. You're the one that can... It's very can, governmental, isn't it? It's Look, very, we'd love to have more houses. Yeah, we could, listen, you're the man in charge. <laughs> you're, you're the boy that's been able to Just do this. Just can't do it. Yeah, but then I think, like, bigging up, like, the headliners. Like, not to say that they're not, like, because they are big names, whatever, but it's, like, a very beige lineup, yeah, I would completely. say. It's very, like, these are safe the safest people we could imagine. It's also like Lewis Capaldi obviously dropped out for understandable reasons and it's replacement Paolo Nutini. Get me that other Scottish (laughs) singer wrong. Scottish Italian singer. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, they always kind of like, it was the same thing last year with like the the drug prevention stuff or whatever and I think they bigged that up as well and I think that all... kind of fell apart as well where it was like oh no it was, it's going to be it was the whole thing where it was like no there's no amnesty yeah. there's no it came out it was so bullish about the whole thing yeah and it was again where it was like oh people are going to complain but I think yeah I mean he is an interesting character and I'm glad that he he comes out of his it's like he's like the, the Michael Buble of the festival season where he just he, pops he's out he's defrosted for a few months yeah, yeah, and, he, yeah and he comes yeah. out to make some ridiculous statements and yeah he comes out of his you know his gold mansion or whatever it is he has and <laughs> do, just you know walks we, among the common folk for a bit sorry do we think the world is a better place with Melvin Ben in it that's a loaded question I think it is that's a very loaded question I don't know what to say I, I, like, mean, I like when he comes out of his hibernation for three he's given me he's given me some content and he's given me like you know he's given me laughs before you know just kind of being around him and just he's a great music politician Mm, because, that's a great, yeah. That's because great if you, because if you're like, like, because if I was like Melvin, you know, what do you think about this? He's just going to steer it back around to how great Picnic is. Yeah, that's the one talking point you have, and that's it. And so, look, if it, you know, you cut off his head, two more Melvin Bens pop up. So, like, you might as well have the one that we have now. You know, can you tell I don't want to go back to Picnic? I didn't go to All Together now. Uh, I was, I actually would have loved to go to All. I would have loved to have gone to All Together now for the acts. I would not have loved to have gone to All Together now for the weather. For so, the, th- so this the thing, so like, like there, there, there may or may not be a, a music publication that I once worked for, mm-hmm. and you, there may have been an edict where you weren't allowed to use the word mud when describing, what? you know, festivals and kind of, you know, like reviews. Is that true? That's true, baby. Yeah, and that's like, you wild. Call, you call it like what, like dirt water? What you'd did upset, you say? <laughs> because you'd upset the promoters, and we can't have that. You but know, that's not on. Like they don't organize for mud to be there. Like you know, it's like, like imagine that. Yeah, listen, we've got our mud guy coming in next week. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to check see what the mud's going to be like for you, this week. He also chose to have a festival in Ireland. 
Yeah. So suck it up. Like you, you knew what was coming. Like yeah. I've, I've suffered through those trenches. I, I remember Body and Soul a few years ago, and mm. I was like proper. Like the lads at World War One didn't have the same experience <laughs> I did. Let me <laughs> no tell you. No idea. Muddy and Soul more like. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah, I'll see myself out. It was <laughs> horrendous. Um, and like yeah, so like you know we all yeah we all put ourselves up again. You, you just want good weather. But I will say I, just, I don't know. I, like I'm seeing like I haven't been to all together now. Um, because I'm kind of like my festival days are mostly done like I'll be if you see me at a festival you didn't no but if you see me at a festival <laughs> it's kind of um, I like I, chances I, I'm, I'm in mercenary mode you know yeah. I'm paid to be there and those yeah. days could well be over you know my services haven't been required for a while which is good because I've made it pretty clear to the festival gods that I don't like them <laughs> don't, um, don't bring me I back I just keep seeing I just keep seeing people making all these kinds of excuses where they're like well the sound was terrible yes. and the weather was horrendous and um, in the car parking was a bit of a disaster and the price of alcohol and, oh my god but it was lovely <laughs> I, I, I just felt so free and I had a great time I, I just find festival goers to be the most irritating people on earth and why would I want to be surrounded by them you know what I mean how many festivals did you go to last year Adam I did seven you were okay. working yeah <laughs> you were work, you were crew you were performer you were an artist and you know what like I find it difficult I would find it difficult to go again as a punter fair um, which to me I don't know like Maybe it's because I saw the other side a little bit. Maybe mm. it's because... You're like, talking to someone who, like... Uh, yeah, you, the, the press side of it, I suppose. And, like, not that we got much in the way of perks, but at least you got, like, a fucking off-site B&B or something. So that, you got a bed yeah. and a shower. I, yeah, that I did not get. <laughs> and that makes the world of difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. But, like, I, I, in fairness, there was a few I did where I went up and back in the same day because I knew what it was going to be like and I'm like, like I'd be driving home at one or two in the morning in the lashings of rain and I'm like this is great I'm glad I'm in my car oh fair so yeah. like I made the right calls I think I enjoyed I like I, I enjoyed it but it was just too much how do you feel about performing at them? Are you doing is stand up Irish language stand up that you're doing this year? So I'm doing the same setup I did last year, which was I'm doing a podcast in one slot and then I'm doing stand up in the next slot. So it's three o'clock is the podcast in the Chancellor. I'm just using this as my promo now. The Chancellor at three PM and then at five PM it's Gail Gary, which is the Irish language stand up. Um, performing at it is pure handy and especially for something like that where it's not a lot of setup. Like the setup is basically bring yourself and like for the podcast is bring me bring Anya and James my two co-hosts and bring the idea for what we're doing for the show like bring the USB with the logo and stuff on it and then for the stand-up it's like just make sure that you have a set written in time for the show and don't lose your voice and and don't lose your voice yeah Mm. now it was easier last year because we did 3pm on the Friday which meant that there was like no one around but it also meant that then we were out of the way then well like though the the gang were finished up then like Annie and James were finished for the weekend then after that and they could have a jolly as much as they wanted I had to then do the show the next day um and was just praying that I wouldn't be dead basically and I just about made it um but yeah performing at it is actually fine like as in with that stuff I'd imagine if you were a band or if you're uh uh, musician or you know crew for that like it's such a different because you're lugging equipment around you're you know bringing like trying to set up while like in the middle of the rain and everything like that and like in all like these kind of like bad conditions and then you don't know what time like if you're one of the acts that's performing really I don't know what time you were performing up but like you know when there's acts performing at like 2am or something like that whatever yeah it's, we, uh, we, we weren't that bad now but it was a case of like you said it is a different kettle of fish because mm-hmm. the, the people who are looked after the best are obviously the big name acts and that's to be expected mm-hmm. but when you kind of get out of the main arena and the tents and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like it's it's just how it is. I don't think it's like something that someone can fix because there's obviously budgets and stuff in place. But like you're kind of, you know, you're 
you're as good as the, the punters. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like, whatever. Maybe get some fucking straw if it's going to be a horrendously <laughs> rainy weekend. Have that in reserve. Mm. So last year when you went to Picnic you you wrote an article for Joe.ie in which you um, came across like the forgotten fifth member of Motley Crue <laughs> based on the level of debauchery that you got up to, the Dionysian level of chaos that you left in your wake in Strad Valley. The question is, how can you top that this year? And will we, will we be getting another article? I mean, if my if my behavior is the same, then I would hope so, yeah. I was trying to remember what the headline was. It was drugs, dancings, and confessions. It's drugs, dancing, and drenchings, confessions of an electric picnic attendee. Doesn't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Doesn't drink. Uh, but I do dance. I do dance a Loves lot. Loves to dance. Uh, the sub-headline was, oh, fuck, did I just microdose on drugs from the shift? Um, also a heartbreaker, <laughs> a notorious heartbreaker. Uh, famously, listen. Watch I'm, out, ladies. I like a lady killer on the way. Uh, I'm actually lovely. Um, is there going to be another article? I, do you know what? I hope so. I hope that I have a wild time again because it was just like, everything in the article is true, um, which was just madness. Um, well, look, and if you're there and if you happen to see Melvin Ben, <laughs> I want you to walk up to him and just go, bong! <laughs> he won't get it, but it'll be fun. So, um, AI. How do you feel about AI? Love it. Uh, this answer was written by AI. Uh, I've got, I got ChatGPT to, to say how much I loved AI. Uh, ChatGPT is a safe and easy uh, solution for all of life's problems. Uh, no, I'm scared of AI, to be honest. Uh, I... Don't want to lose my job. In fairness, I think what I do is a bit harder for an AI to replicate, but that is famous last words that Car I'm going issues, to hear. come and get me, plea to yeah. algorithm. Yeah, ChatGPT, I'm not scared of you. I'll do whatever I want. Um, yeah, I don't want it in... Uh, <laughs> it's so, it's so meek. Like, uh, no, that's not. I didn't believe a word you said. No, I'm cool, man. I'm not scared. What are you talking about? I love. I you watch, hate AI. You watch wrestling on a religious basis. How do you not have a better promo in you than that? Do you want me to cut a promo on AI? Sure, why not? <clears throat> in Irish. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you want people to 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 translate this now afterwards? I'll be like, they could just guess what you said. Ishnish. Uh, Let's see. What's the Irish for AI? It's probably like all us. Uh, uh Breagach. I can just see you're, this, you're literally like, I have no idea what this man is saying. Oh, I got, a, I, I got a vibe. I mean, like, I, I think the AI was welcome to the Uso Penitentiary right there. Oh, wow. That was good. That was Listen, good. Get, get in here. Very good. That was more intimidating, wasn't it? I liked it, yeah. I, I, I believe that. I get scared. The reason I ask this is because Ed Sheeran is back in the news, everyone's favorite musical teddy bear. He is talking about AI. He was asked if he'd seen any of the music orientated AI projects that have been, you know, poisoning our ears in recent months. He said, what I don't understand about AI is for the last 60 years, Hollywood movies have been telling us, don't do it. And I'm like, everyone's doing it now. Have you not seen the movies where they kill us all? So, you know, popular Terminator reference that we all make. <laughs> uh, I don't know why you need it, he says. If you're taking a job away from human, I, I think that's probably a bad thing. Take. Right on, Ed. Huge take. Fucking <laughs> Ed Sheeran says what we're all thinking. Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran writing Das Capital in front of us. <laughs> he stands with the with the with the with the, I can't even remember the name. The, the proletariat. The whole point of society is we all do jobs. Okay. What <laughs> <laughs> is that? Sorry, no. That is the most Ed capitalist. Sheeran, yeah. The whole point of society yeah. is that we all do jobs. Ed Sheeran did not give this interview. This interview was given by AI pretending <laughs> to be Ed Sheeran. <laughs> 
video for Radker. Like, what is that? <laughs> Get up in the morning. Yeah. If everything is done by robots, every, everyone's going to be out of work. I find it a bit weird, but chat GPT, why not? He says. So it's a bit of a contradiction. Now, this part really interested me, right? Later in the interview, Sheeran said that he owns the teddy bear from Steven Spielberg's 2001 film AI Artificial Intelligence in his collection of movie props. He goes... I watched that the other day and I was like, see, Spielberg and Kubrick were trying to tell us something. Now, hang on. I need to know what's in Ed Sheeran's collection of movie props. What does he have? He's probably bought everything off Nicolas Cage whenever he was selling off all the stuff that he had to, whenever he was going bankrupt and he had like to sell off like the, oh, because the car Cage, from Bullet and stuff. Nicolas Cage had, had his addiction to buying castles. Yeah. Back in the day. Fucking hell. Yeah. Listen, look, it happens to us all. Listen, who among us? Let he who has not bought a castle by accident you're throw on, the first um, stone. You're on Letterboxd right now, Hugh. I am on Letterboxd. You joined the right movement. Now. And I noticed that you put up a review of Nicolas Cage's The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I did. Three out of five, and you said that your housemates were talking all the way through it? Yeah. They were yeah. not engaged <laughs> at all. Yeah. Even even for like a throwaway comedy like that, you know, you got to get, you, you got to tell those housemates. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I have it on good authority that at least one of your housemates is a, is a man of great taste. Yes, this is true. My, one of my housemates, Liam, is, a, is an excellent taste in both movies and of podcasts. Liam, I love you. <laughs> and I love your support of this show. But I have to ask you to respect movie etiquette. So I will say that was not Liam. Liam was okay, a, Liam, you know what? I take it all back, man. I'm learning. I'm growing. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Uh, it was different housemates. And um, yeah, I, I like from what I could get from what I was focusing on the film while uh, two people around me were having a conversation about something completely not to do with the film. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was grand. I wasn't I wasn't particularly taken aback by the... I thought the, the whole Pedro Pascal, Nicolas Cage... Very adorable. Was, fun. was adorable. It was I fun. would love to watch Paddington 2 with Pedro Pascal. Oh, he's a great. That'd be that'd be fun, wouldn't That's it? A show and a half, yeah. So um I've got the next story I have here is the ultimate in uh mid-afternoon Irish radio segments. So I'm gonna try <laughs> oh I'm gonna try and do like a like like a like know, lunchtime live. Uh, <laughs> Two Johnny's you know. eat your heart. <laughs> I can't do an impression of them. I don't even know if I can do an impression of anybody, but like I could try the Turbity one maybe. I did it for like two seconds last week. <laughs> you broke out tubs. Any amount of time is more well, than you'll miss it, like you know. So I'm kinda like, no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to have an old school iPod in your house, maybe you can pay for some money. Hugh Carr joins us now. Joe, Daddy. So yeah, if you do, you have any? Do I actually, Adam? You're a fucking collector of things, I assume. I do either of you have a, have like any old iPods? Yes. So you'd be interested to know that a first generation Apple iPod has just sold for twenty nine thousand US dollars. Let me tell you, the state mine is in. No one like they'd be they'd be doing me a favor taking it off my hands. No, it's I have it, but it's in bits. So this iPod was originally bought by the parents of a teenager in two thousand and one as a Christmas gift for their son. Fucking upper middle class family Very right there. Nice. It was purchased at an Apple store in in Plano, Texas. I thought it said Piano, Texas, and I was like, what, a, what an appropriate name what, for a place. Town, that, yeah. What town that would be. They've outlawed <laughs> pianos. It's down on the keys. That's where, that's where they got it. From Piano, Texas. Um, <laughs> for the price of 399, uh, $399 US dollars at the time. So quite the upgrade here. Mm -hmm. It remained untouched in its original packaging until its recent rediscovery. Ah, fucking get a life. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, sorry, sorry, like, what you get an iPod. Oh, this is a great Christmas present. I'm never going to touch this. Get this yeah. quote. Get this quote from like the so it was sold on an investment platform which I'm not going to name because mm -hmm. fuck those yeah. you know platforms rich. Yeah. <laughs> fuck rich people. So here's the quote about the about the kid who got the iPod right. He wasn't sure what he wanted to do with it, so he put it on a shelf, and then inevitably time passed. How can you? You can't. <laughs> you couldn't leave something on a shelf for twenty odd years. Twenty two years without ever once. Time makes fools of us all. Well, that, 
Like what? Like hold on a sec. Like I refuse to believe that the this owner is found the iPod in the original blue Apple bag while cleaning out his child's home after the passing. So he didn't of even it. take it out of the bag. Yeah. Absolute freak. In the original bag while cleaning out his child's home after the passing of his father, solidarity brother. It truly is a time capsule. The guy says, oh, "No, it's not a time capsule. It's an iPod. It's not a time capsule if you never use this. There's, There's nothing, nothing on it. it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing on it. <laughs> Mine is a time capsule because it has the horrible history CDs that used to come in the cereal box with it. It has a ticket out of Loserville. <laughs> I was going to actually ask, could either of you, could either of you remember anything that you, because like, I, I didn't get an iPod uh, for a while. I would, I would have had like a creative, I had one of those kind of creative ones. Was that were, yeah. I, uh, the small one first, which is the one that it was like, it, it was like a detachable USB thing and it was like 256 megabytes or something. Mm-hmm. Then I eventually got a creative Zen and it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then I eventually got like an iPod touch or something. But like, I'm trying to think what I would have had on those back in the day. I'd say I would have had like the end of Heartache by Kill Switch Engage. Of and course. like. I don't know, like. Oh, oh, which, by the way, I'm currently bumping that loud on the bus and stuff. So like, start making it sound like I drive the bus. Um, <laughs> get on, it's the hell bus. No, no. Stony Batter. Calling it Ungar. No, no, great song. I would, yeah, I would have like that kind of stuff, and like probably like you know. Probably some wrestling themes, I'd say. My so Slipknot for sure. I had. And I, I think I had the second generation iPod because uh, we had Andy's and uncles that would go to America and they would come back with oh, yeah, the gifts and this and that. Good. There, look, there, that's the most dangerous. That was like a, a my, lost art. My, my, yeah, I know. There's, no, there's not enough. Why aren't my <laughs> relations giving me gifts anymore? This is what I want to know. <laughs> because you um, would do this, you would just leave, leave it aside and not treat it well. What? So there has been an interest in vintage Apple products recently. So I'm, I'm going to ask you both now. An original factory seal 2007 4 gig Apple iPhone was sold for a record breaking amount at an auction in Louisiana. In the dollar amount, Adam, how many dollars? I am going to say factory sealed. Is that what it said? 2007 original factory seal 4 gig Apple iPhone. Uh, I'm going to go a million dollars. It's a lot less. Hugh Carr. <laughs> I'm going to say. Half a million? The answer is $200,000. That's still far too much. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. still far too much. 200,000. Uh, when it came out, there was only two storage options, 4 gig and 8 gig. Wow, that's like a thousand songs. The 4 gig was quickly discontinued a few months after its release due to its initial unpopularity compared to the counterpart. And then, uh, they, then they went to the 8 gig, 16 gig 8 model. 8 gig, 16, yeah. then yeah, 16, yeah. 32 after that. 32, yeah. 64. Now it's like up to 256 gig, I think, on iPhones now. And also uh, a fully working 1976, 77 Apple One computer with a custom built-in keyboard power supply, handmade case, and original Steve Wozniak signatures being auctioned off. And it's expected to also fetch $200,000. I did see uh, there was like a thing on Netflix. It was like an auctioneer, like an auctioneer's thing, or like some collectibles guy. And you talking about bargain hunt? No, it's um, <laughs> BBC show. No, it's an American dude, and he like owns a collectibles company, like an auction house, collectibles auction house, or whatever. And Pawn stars? Uh, no, it's not that. I can't think of the name of it. Mm-hmm. If I loving do, this, if I, it will, yeah. it will come back to me. But there is like a guy on it who has. I'm not even joking. Like an American. Ga- like garage full of Apple products one of them being like the original like an original prototype that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak made like absolutely banana stuff and all like in boxes and everything like completely mint condition it, like get a life <laughs> get a get, like I don't know touch some grass or something touch like, some know? grass well you know I mean it's a bit of a small town mindset I would say <laughs> oh and it's small town syndrome that's haunting Corey Taylor of Slipknot right now <laughs> that's good he has spoken about how people in his home state of Iowa have reacted to the band over the years and said that the people who are mad about their success 
Uh, he said, we were judged for so fucking long about who we were. We came from the fringe. They've capitalized this as if it's like the Fringe Festival, but I don't think they meant to. I, I think, think he, they meant that he come, came from the depths of hell. Apparently, yeah. like <laughs> the outskirts of, you know, like the outcasts. Uh, what we represented was something that to this day is still anathema to a lot of people in Iowa. He was on some podcast. Um, there are a lot of people there who are very ashamed of the fact that Slipknot comes from there. And it's because of this newfound resurgence and conservative bullshit. As much as Iowa gets into um, politics here, it's boring. But he just says like that the people who like you know, there's bitter pricks in that goddamn town, and they're hanging on. They don't accept the fact that they didn't want it. That being success, as much as we did, he says uh, there are people I've known there for thirty years. I run into them, and they side eye me hard. <laughs> so, I, I, in fairness, what I would say is about this, I. Like, if I became massively popular and a celebrity and successful, I don't want to be any of those things, really. Uh, successful, maybe. But, like, if I became, like, you know, something, I would full-on rub it in to my old town. <laughs> I would absolutely be like, you know what? Drada fucking sucks. <laughs> and everyone here has a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird, just, like, really horrible, small-town, life-sucking, soul-draining mentality that they do judge you if you so much as, like, go to Dublin. Mm-hmm. So I would, if I, like, you know, if I became, like, a big shot, yeah. I'm going back there and I'm fucking knocking on people's doors. <laughs> Kick doors down, Dave. Yeah. Don't even knock. Yeah. Why would you knock? Absolutely. Remember me? You go back no. to... <laughs> you, you travel back to your native Donegal constantly. I do. And I'm sure people are like, oh, there he is. There he is. The guy with the notions. There goes the boy. He the went, boy. <laughs> the boy who left Donegal. There he goes. Listen, he's has, that man hasn't darkened the door of a John McGinley bus in a long, long time. It's that kid with the phone. You know? <laughs> Get him out of here. He's out there making stuff. <laughs> No, you haven't experienced any kind of small time resentment. I wouldn't say resentment. I think in Donegal, especially, there's a, and I suppose this is extends to some other Irish towns as well, where it, there's an idea of if you're successful in like a really public facing field like that or whatever, you have to like almost um, no one can be shown to actually care about it, as in like no one could be shown to be like you know, like, well done or, like, or like any semblance of pride or whatever like that. Like, I was in um, Mullingar, there, like, over the weekend for the flat and they have, like, you know, like a Joe Dolan statue and they have, like, a big mural of Niall Hoare in, in Mullingar or whatever. But I'd say if you ask people from wait, Mullingar... Wait, 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 wait. What, what about Brezzy? Uh, exactly. Well, Brezzy didn't make the cut, apparently. <laughs> Brezzy, sure, there's, like, a statue or something. Uh, no, but he, there was no, um, you know, giant bust of him overlook, overlooking the hills. You'd be furious, uh, wouldn't you? He would. Oh, devastated. Listen, absolutely devastated. Um, but I think in with Irish people, I think there's, like, this, especially because I think Donegal gets loads of, like, celebrities trying to flee the... The, the limelight um, there's kind of this image of like oh no we can't we can't show to care we can't show to have a, a, a mindset of like um, you know giving them any sort of I don't know credibility I suppose or any sort of um, like pride in that or whatever there's definitely a, an aspect as well of like whenever they're like mega successful there's like a bitterness of whenever they don't pay it back or something like that like, <laughs> like I've, I've heard people complaining that like Enya so like Enya's from down the road from us, whatever. So like, like Clan and then you like their family pub is only like five minutes down the road from me, whatever. And people being like, you know, she never bought any instruments for the schools. She never put money. <laughs> she never put any money back into the, you know, into the community really or whatever. Um, and then Dodd is God still. Like Daniel O'Donnell is still um, in one way is treated like a normal person, and another way is treated as like the second coming of Christ, where it's like. <laughs> You know, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, it's only Daniel, and sure, we'll have the crack with him, whatever. But then if he does anything, it's like, oh, sure, he's brilliant. Isn't he great? There was a Mary from Dunlow Festival there recently, which is our, like, lovely girls show that happens in Dunlow in my dad's hometown. 
Um, and he hosts it every year and he sings the songs and he does everything. He's there for the whole week or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, he's brilliant. But then at the same time, they're like, but we can't show any sort of like, you know, we can't give him any notions as if he isn't a, you know, multi-millionaire. Not to his face. Not least. to his face. No, yeah. God, no. No, God, no. Um, but yeah, so I can definitely, I can probably, I can understand the Corey Taylor comments where it's like people, I think if someone like Corey Taylor came from Donegal, I think there'd be probably a few more raised eyebrows and stuff like that or whatever. That, yeah, that's kind of, I think it's maybe like genre influenced as well yeah. and like what they do and how they like dressed and presented themselves and things they like that. They wear masks, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, like I like Corey Taylor obviously but I, I, think, I think he can be a bit of a big man sometimes. I wonder if he's just kind of fabricating some of this. I mean, like the, yeah. the notion that he's like doing his shopping and some guy is like staring him out of it yeah. with aggression. With, with, with disgust. It's like, okay, weird. Yeah. Anyway, look, um, my final news story for this segment Maybe ever. No, uh, <laughs> we will never do. We'll news it about as a monthly thing. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We do a monthly roundup of the news. The headline I've written down here is annoying people share irritating insights. So Taika Waititi has revealed that Rita Ora proposed to him, and that he said yes instantly. Good for them. Good for him. They married last year, and they've shared an insight into their wedding day for a new feature in Vogue. They're just like us. They're just like us. Watiti reveals there was a pop star proposed to him saying, she proposed to me, I said yes, instantly. Uh, it wasn't like, it, the wedding wasn't in London or in France. Like everyone reported, it was in LA with a small group of friends. Rita Ora says, it's been quite entertaining for us to see the different stories we've made up, all the while getting to keep it to ourselves. I love when we now get to share what really happened and to do it on our one year anniversary, no less. These people suck. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking suck. They're awful. He makes terrible films. I was about to ask you how you felt about the work of the works of Taika Waititi. I thought Hunt for the Wilder People was great and I'm scared to go back to it because everything right. he's done since has been pretty terrible and more and more and more terrible. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly smug and irritating. Mm-hmm. And as for her, man, name, name me a Rita Ora song. I dare you. I fucking double dare you. Uh, there's that one about working from home. No, that's Little Mix. That's it. <laughs> uh, there's... Uh, is that Little Mix or is that Fifth Harmony? No, it's... Oh. Oh, now we're mixing up all the musicians. I, I think it is Fifth you. Harmony. I think Dave's right. Yeah, you are right. I think yeah. you are right. Rita Ora, what a career. She's given us so much. <laughs> and asked for so little, Dave. And she didn't even, like, you know, you would think maybe she has pivoted to the world of Eurodance, but... She could. I don't think she could. I don't think she's got it in her. I think Eurodance takes authenticity and with that in mind, mm-hmm. we're going to jump into our top five. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Eurodance, <laughs> brother. Hulk- yeah, what a way to jump into a Eurodance top five. The, the Hulk Hogan reference. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, is there anything more quintessentially 90s than Hogan in the, uh, in the, on WCW? In, in the, the prime NBA? of his life. In the prime of his life. All I know is that Hogan knows best. <laughs> so I think um, it's probably best for Hugh to kick us off because he's our guest. I, w- I would be inclined to agree. I should say as well, um, when we settled on this topic, and it was a bit late in the day on the Sunday, I was kind of panicking because everything you threw at me, I was just saying no to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm probably pissing them off, but I was like, nah, that's yeah. a good idea, but I don't know. And then I was like, let's do Eurodance, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I should say, um, this was nice, easy work for me because it took me approximately a minute. I have a quote that I would like to share with the, <laughs> with the room. Um, oh no! So I texted Dave today saying that I was very much looking forward to. I was in a mood this morning. Um, <laughs> you were in a mood. Oh no! I was very much looking forward to the uh, the records. The nice. recording. Um, and I said, so, "Back off!" He's like, yeah. Stop being so eager. I was like, I'm, at, I'm at work. Well, he said, "I had that top five in less than a minute." And the follow up message was, and this is a direct quote: "It was as if God Himself spoke to me." <laughs> I forgot that. Well, I mean, God is a DJ. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. So. 
God is a DJ. God is a DJ. Famous like the dance floor. So yeah. just to clarify, I mean, it is Eurodance. Now, of course, Eurodance could be, there could be international acts that, you know, have pivoted to the style of Eurodance. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope you haven't, I hope you haven't made a fool of yourself here, Hugh. Like with the time when Ray Mysterio was on Sky Sports News and they asked him what country were going to win the Euros. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, Mexico, of course. <laughs> and they were like, it's the European Championships, Ray. Try again. <laughs> Uh, no, I very much went. I went. I leaned heavily into Europe. Um, I will say that it was not easy for me. Do you know what? It was easy finding four, but finding that fifth one was because it was then the knowledge that there were ones that were not going to make the cut. And I tried putting like limits on myself, and then I found out that like some of those limits then affected the picks that I had already made. And it was actually quite tough for me to because it, like a lot of it is the soundtrack of my childhood or whatever, and I don't want to like leave some of them out by accident or whatever, or like, not even by accident, but like to leave them out. But I think I've settled on the five that I'm happiest with. Sure. I think. Actually, I think I should go first because it'll mean that you go last. It'd be, oh. nice, it'd be nice for you to end the episode. Okay. Unless Adam knows both the, the, the ones we have, so that isn't going to fuck up any kind of order or anything, is it? Shouldn't do, no. And yes, once again, if you are just listening to the show for the first time because Hugh is our guest, first of all, thank you, stay, don't leave. <laughs> but I don't know what he's chosen. He doesn't know what I've chosen. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason why we do that. We just do that. So. It makes it more fun. Yeah. I think the reaction is, is, is great. Okay, well, look, I'll kick us off because literally the first song that came to mind from this, and it is one from my youth, and uh, gosh, was I worried in, 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 in work today when I was like, if, if, the, if this earphone isn't working properly and this is somebody blaring into the office, this would not be good, <laughs> this would not be good for anybody. So, uh, yes, take it away uh, and get ready, everybody, to be transported back in time to a simpler time when uh, tectonic beats <laughs> smash together and you got this kind of thing. Yeah, that was quite the thing, wasn't it? It was an experience. Once again, the speakers in the studio always surprised me. That was great. That is DJ Quicksilver. The track is Bellissima. Mm. And it is from the year... damn right it was Bellissima. It's from the year 1997. It was a double A-side single along with a track called I Have a Dream, which actually, in fact, does sample the Martin Luther King speech. So DJ Quicksilver was ahead of his time in a way that that David Guetta could only dream of. I was going to say, he walked so David Guetta could run. Run into trouble. (laughs) I have a little um, thing I want to do with each of these, by the way. Okay, yeah. Hugh, Mm -hmm. where is DJ Quicksilver from? I fucking love that you're doing this. This is great. <laughs> great. This, is so, this is brilliant. That's I've even written down uh, every one of them. Hugh, where is such and such from? <laughs> DJ Quicksilver with a track called Bellissima. I would have to say that he. my first instinct is Italy. I'll give you his real name. Okay. Orhan Terzi. Oh, he's Dutch. Is he Dutch? He is German-Turkish. Oh, my God. Yeah, tur- I would have said Turkey there, yeah. He was born in 1964 in Trabzon in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And his family moved to Hattingen, Hattingen, I don't know, in Germany in the late 1960s. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, um, been around for years. Uh, this song, I remember this vividly because I remember like hanging out with, you know, one of my first friends or something. Mm-hmm. And he had a tape cassette of this. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was the thing. 
Mm-hmm. It was the fucking, it was just everywhere. It was the song. On the, the radio. I don't even know if it's good, but it was, <laughs> I, like, I, like, this is what I would associate with, if, if this, if, if the dictionary only gave you an audio readout of what a thing means, mm-hmm. that's Eurodance. Yeah. And I have a second track from him. Okay. Which I didn't get into DJ Quicksilver. I think we, a, a mild phase. You were, you were a, light, a, light, a little fan, a casual fan of DJ Quicksilver. Yeah. Right? Fair weather. A fair weather, fair weather listener. <laughs> also, can I give you like why his name is DJ Quicksilver? Is it, is it to do with the X-Men? Uh, no, it's even better than that. Oh he my. loves wearing Quicksilver clothes. It derives from the days when he took part in DJ contests and a Mercury column would gauge the audience reaction. A what? How does that even work? Oh, like the heat? I of guess. The crowd. Yeah. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> that oh my god, ex- you could so cheat on that by getting someone to just like someone with lighter, you knew, someone you knew with a lighter or go up and go <sighs> to just like breathe on that's it. You know incredible. What I mean? yeah. So that's Bellissima and it's you know, it's it, it, it's a bit of a classic, really. Mm-hmm. Up next, uh, I think this is like the next single I would have ever heard from him. It's called Free. Okay. And again, like it's 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 hardly good, but like it this brought me back to <laughs> this brought me back to a version of myself I didn't even know existed. So let's have a listen. He really pushed the recording budget out for the vocals there, didn't he? <laughs> he really but, free. Uh, can I say Let your mind be free. Can I say something yeah. that may be glaringly obvious here? Go for it. It's They're great. the exact same song. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. are. They're well, I should say, um, uh, Music Week, right, said about Bellissima, that the Turkish-born DJ serves up a floor-packing monster slice of uplifting house crammed with big beats and teasing drum rolls. Mm. And just for the record, Bellissima peaked at number six on the Eurochart Hot 100. The Eurochart Hot 100. It was not number one. So yeah, a track I haven't revisited in probably 20 years, but my God, was it fun to do. And like I say, literally in work today, praying, praying to the gods themselves <laughs> that this would not spill. Because how, how do you possibly explain this? Yeah, I'm listening to Bellissima by DJ Quicksilver <laughs> at 12 p.m. <laughs> on a Thursday <laughs> in an office setting. Like, what the fuck? I will say. Just getting ready for the weekend, guys. <laughs> getting, getting all hyped up. Get whoop, your hands up. Uh, get ready to party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that my mental health has never been better than this week because I've literally <laughs> been listening to nothing but upbeat, dancey, like summery vibe tunes like with this whole time. But that really reminds me of there is a thing at home on, on Highland Radio, which is the local uh, radio station, uh, and they have a thing called the Power Hour, where uh, a Dunny Allman plays nothing but Eurodance and rave and trance for like an hour at night, or whatever. But he's a very soft-spoken uh, thing, like man, so it'll be like something like that, where it's like bum 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 free, bum bum bum, whatever. And he's like, that was free by DJ Quicksilver. We request in there from Chanel, but he'll keep like blasting the volume of the, like he'll talk over the tracks. Um, but he's just so soft-spoken, which really throws you off your rhythm if you're like throwing that on at pre-drinks or something like that and it's like you know uh, Insomnia by Faithless or whatever and then it's just out of nowhere it was like that one goes in for Marissa that's turning 16 tonight happy birthday Marissa <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing it's fantastic right speaking of softly spoken lovely men from up the north it's Hugh Carr's chance to kick it off. <laughs> <laughs> well I will say now that does actually put me in, in the memory of home because Dave put on your seatbelt <laughs> Sit down, because 
The boss is common. The Vanga Boys are an eclectic group of uh, German. I man, the, the Vanga Boss is truly common. Are they German? Oh, they were Dutch. Uh, I could be wrong. So, well, they are Dutch. Sorry, you're right. Listen, it's all I, like I, if I was doing the game where I was asking you where all these artists were from, and you'd be losing. Uh, we're all winning. Listen to this. Though. Yeah, we're all. Well, listen, that's the opening track from the party album with an exclamation mark at the end. Vanga Boss by the Vanga Boys, a quartet, uh, I believe, released in '98. I mean, listen, it was just I. There was actually a very heated conversation because I was asking different people what their like favorite Eurodance songs were and there was a take that boom 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 was a better track than Venga Bus but that Venga Bus was more crack which is the fact that we needed to have a, a philosophical debate on which track was more crack I think speaks volumes to what Eurodance is yeah um, I think it's a it's a coin toss for me and I will say you're very much in the right track of what I've been doing which is like this is again peak top 30 hits era yeah it's peak mid to late 90s mm-hmm. and I remember this very very vividly it's a banger it's an absolute banger uh, the Vanga Boys was uh, actually a creation of these two DJs or these two producers from uh, the Dutch Boys the Dansky and Del Mundo was the name of the group and they basically handpicked a load of like singers and models to be the Vanga Boys themselves which were uh, Kim, Denise, Roy and Robin uh, and they put out the album the party album which was a massive hit uh, it was number one in over 20 countries and then they put out a, a follow-up album, which uh, tanked immediately and <laughs> <laughs> disappeared into obscurity the until story uh, yeah, really did. But, but they're, they're back. They're they're on the nostalgia circuit. They are, and I saw them. I actually did see the Vanga Boys this year. I saw them at Eurovision. They were at the uh, no better like place for them. Huh? Really, literally, they were. Listen, they they should have been performing. Well, let me as ask a, you this: do they do they still have it? Oh, let me tell. <laughs> do they have, do the Venga Boys? Is the Venga Bus still on the road, or has it crashed and has it broken careened? down and needs some repairs? Yeah. Uh, no. Do you know what the Venga Boys are still? Absolutely unreal crack. Now, obviously, I was in a very biased position because it was a sunny Liverpool day. Everyone there for the purpose of uh, Eurovisioning it up, um, but they were they were unreal crack. They're absolutely ridiculous. Um, but the the Venga Boys themselves, I learned this today or the last while. What I was looking up, going to Ibiza is another one, another from the same album. Um, a terrible song. A very ter- famously one of the worst songs ever. Uh, uh, where they the the characters of the Venga Boys say about how they're sick of being bus drivers so canonically they are driving the bus like they are not passengers on the bus they are very much in charge of the bus Uh, and then in the I think this is an argument that the party album is a concept album and I think that's the conversation that music journalism is too scared to have that uh, the Venga Boys were cutting edge on the uh, concept album front Um, but going to Ibiza itself became a, a leftist protest song in Austria because the government in Austria was a run by this hard right government, um, and there was a massive controversy where uh, Heinz Christian Strach of the far right Freedom Party was offering public contracts to a Russian investor in exchange for campaign support. But he was doing, and he was the deputy vice chancellor of this government. Uh, but the talks were happening in Ibiza, so then Aust- these Austrian protesters were playing "Going to Ibiza." Um, to like protest like what was going on in the government but I just look like they stand like just like Ed Sheeran they stand with the workers they stand with the with the proletariat 
Um, but I just would love the idea of going to, imagine if there was a march happening in town against like something the government did and the Venga boys appeared. It'd be the perfect, you'd be, be selling no, tickets. There'd be no war. There would be I'm no war. Never, I must confess, I wasn't expecting your first pick to descend into hard right extremist politics, but. Listen, I always we do. We go where Eurodance <laughs> demands us to yeah. We go where the Venga bus takes us, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> not, not there. <laughs> We're not there. No. 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 I want to get off at this stop. No, please, no, no. Please, please, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, we all had a Venga Boys phase, I think. Mm-hmm. There was also, like, just weird rumors about them. People were just like, one of them is a man, actually. And I was like, that's was my, my first experience of, like, understanding what a trans person was. But I don't think yeah. they actually are. I think there's no. just some weird school-grand bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, just enjoy the music. Yeah. There's rumors of them being caught in bed with George Michael and stuff as well. And I hope this. it happened. I hope so, too. And I hope yeah. they all had a great time. Sounds like they would. Especially if this tune's playing. <laughs> I reckon listen to their own tunes when they're... I would hope so. I know I do. When they're engaging in <laughs> sexual congress. <laughs> when they're on the Venga bus. To use my favorite phrase ever. That's a, it's a very interesting conversation I never thought I would You don't have. hear enough anymore, the phrase sexual congress. You know what else you don't hear? You don't hear the phrase battle of the sexes. Oh, yeah. But, but, like, it feels like we're in, we're in a never-ending battle of the sexes, if you ask me. I, but like, I feel like... <laughs> But I just feel like the phrase has gone out of popular culture. Has left culture. the lexicon. It's very like eighties and nineties, perhaps. One hundred percent. Well, it was all those like those like you know men do like men are from Mars. I, I'm women not from advocating Venus. no, but it's, I'm just I, I know you're that, not. Like, <laughs> I, would I, hope just, you're not. I just don't know why it, why why it disappeared. It's like you would expect Matthew McGrath to, to step up in the doll yeah. and be like, "That's a real battle of the sexes, isn't it?" You I want to send him an email about that. I would I just put that bring phrase back in the there. phrase "battle of the sexes." Yeah, I want to bring back the phrase "simmer down." I want to bring back the phrase "battle of the sexes." We're gonna get there. I don't want to bring back the Venga Boys. I mean, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy that they're out there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather listen to this. Oh, my number four. If I could count the amount of times I've found myself in the workman's club talking to to, to a young lady mm-hmm. and I've said, it's more than physical what I need <laughs> from you. You know? When, the when ones will, who get it, get it. When, <laughs> and the ones who don't, don't. When will my Balearic angel emerge? <laughs> so, this is Fragma. The track is uh, called Toka's Miracle. Hugh, where oh, are Fragma, God. who are a vocal trance group? Where are they from? I'm going to say, oh, I tried Dutch the last time. Uh, let's go with, mm, let's go French. It's Germany. No, they're once again, they're from Germany. I'm <laughs> noticing a pattern, I think. Fragma are from Germany. Uh, Transgroup, this track has vocals from a British singer called Coco Star. Uh, it's the first, second single, sorry, off their debut studio album called Toka in 2001. Mm-hmm. So it's a mashup, right, of the aforementioned Coco Star's I Need a Miracle from mm-hmm. 1996 and Fragma's song Toka May which came out, I think, in 98, possibly. Uh, this came out in, I think, 2000. I have my numbers all wrong. Please forgive me. Um, the song was critically acclaimed worldwide, with many critics citing the song one of the best dance anthems of all time. Wow. I wholeheartedly agree. You think it still holds up? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. that's that's one of those weird al- alchemy things that, like, 
it is a mashup, but it's like those two things were made for each other. It's, yeah. like well, it's, it's, it's meant to be that the we thing can't is, imagine them without the each other. The mashup didn't initially come from them. It came from a British DJ called DJ Vimto. Oh, oh nice. Oh, That's a fantastic Absolutely name. Absolutely class. That's D- a fantastic. DJ Tango Ice Blast. In 1999, Summertime for Humanity, DJ Vimto had the idea of taking the 995 sound recording of Coco's a cappella vocals from I Need a Miracle and mixing it with Toka May. Amalgamated the titles, it became Toka's Miracle. He pressed an illegal bootleg, which earned considerable attention from leading DJs. And at the time, Fragma were signed to a record label called Positiva Records. And so a release was made. So their producer, Ramon Zenker, very Eurodance friendly name there, essentially, like, the bootleg was doing so well that they were, like, the record label were like, we got to fucking. We, got, we, we have we, to get behind we, we this. Gotta yeah, we're going to get on this. Yeah. So he said, like, um, he makes Toka's Miracle and Toka May. Ramon Zenker says, the whole story around the record is very funny. Someone takes your record and takes another record, mixes them together, does a bootleg, sells it illegally, everyone plays it on the radio, and the record company calls me up and says, we need this version. <laughs> so, like, I guess, you know, shout out to DJ Vimto for... Yeah. It's yeah, I like. I hope he got a handsome finder's fee for that. Or uh, I'd say he got a cease and desist. Uh, back then, no, no. Back then, I'd say that like he, he could have ended up getting signed for that. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. Apparently, like um, both like uh, Fragma and your one Coco, your one Coco, your one Coco, my good Sorry. friend Coco. That, that was very reductive of me. Uh, we're signed to the same record label, so it was a very quick little bit of paperwork oh, there. Right. So uh, when it came out, uh, some people said nice things. So, DJ Ron Slomowitz from About.com. Absolutely made up name. Ron Slomowitz. <laughs> Running against <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> Running on the grounds of everything horrible. It's, it's Ron Slomowitz. No, I'm sure he's a lovely man. From website called About.com, which I've never heard of before, uh, said that the track reached the same pinnacle as Darude's Sandstorm. Oh. I, oh. And. Would. Shares Believe. Wow. Okay, three big, he- three heavyweights. Big statements huge, here. Yeah, huge track. Big statements here, you know. Uh, a less positive review was a guy from Digital Spy who said, uh, he called it Modest Beginnings, which doesn't make sense because it's actually a follow-on from different tracks. Yeah. Um, believe the original version was better. Oh. And thought that this song, Toka's Miracle, presented more class, but criticised the use of class in a Euroclub banger. Oh. <laughs> said that it shouldn't be classy. Apparently. Oh my it's gosh. a classist anthem. A classist <laughs> anthem. It, um, where do we think it peaked on the Irish singles chart? I oh. would say top five anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three. Twenty. Wow, really? Well, that's a surprise. If I have this right. That's um, mad. Maybe it hit the top ten, I could be wrong. But um, yeah, there was all kinds of weird kind of legal stuff. Do you remember the video? No. Remember the video? I mean, all videos kind of blend into one from that era. Don't is, they? is it? Is no, it a, no, no, let me one. guess. Is it a DJ? And then there's like random, like flashing crowd shots, uh, <laughs> or, and then yeah. like you know, like a, like like strobe or lights of someone moving around. It was just like the label like thing, and yes. like yeah, and like a ball bouncing around it. No, no, there was actually a video. I remember, I remember this well. It was like so. Get this right. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia page. Uh, the original video for Tokyo's Miracle features a futsal team of girls, including original singer Coco. Another team. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Another team entered the... Uh, take a shot every time the word team comes up here, by the way. Another team enter the locker room where they look intimidating towards the other team. Both teams head towards the court and toss a coin where Coco's team kicks off first. The opposition take a 2-0 lead and begin to become more aggressive or competitive towards the game, obstructing the other team. At the end of the video, it shows Coco's team make a comeback to win the game 3-2. Well done. There was a remix in 2008, and according to this, it's a bit more raunchy, at, oh. least, at least from a video perspective. So... 
The video starts with a woman in a room lip-syncing the song, then begins to strip her clothes off and tries to kiss a man. No! The next shot features another woman in in her bra (laughs) and underwear, dancing in a supposed bathroom, it says here. (laughs) Alleged alleged bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) We indicate in fact here. (laughs) It's alleged. We don't know if there's a bath in there. How are we to know? With another man in the room. Oh, no. Another scene shows yet another woman on her bed. Jesus, how many women? Where she also has her bra and underwear. She also has her bra (laughs) and underwear. (laughs) She has them on her. She's she's fully dressed, but she has them in a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case. Just in case. You need to break them. I know what the vibe is. Just just in case Miracle gets put on the stereo, you know it. On. <laughs> she too also lip syncs to the song playing and starts to seduce a man laying near the bed. The video ends with when one of the women's eye closes. Who wrote this? <laughs> what we can agree on is it's a fucking belter. Yeah. It, like you were saying earlier on, it's that kind of like it makes you feel good. It does make you feel good. It feels like summer sunshine coming oh through God. the window. Listen. That's Toki's Miracle, everybody. I love it. It's a great tune. I wish that. You know, there's a part of me that sometimes wishes that this was a video podcast so they could just see me dancing to every time. That yeah, there's a it, it is infectious, I will say. Completely infectious. My number four pick, you know what? It, it also has an iconic music video, but Dave, all it does is ask a very simple question. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. In the mix, <laughs> Atlantic 252. <laughs> Staying up late with me. Stay up late with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I just brought back to my, my, my bedroom listening when I was a young boy. Come on. It's a banger. It's an absolute banger. And it is, it screams radio. Uh, it is Hathaway's What Is Love. Um, the Hathaway who was born in 1965. Who, so he's the same age as my dad, uh, which really threw me off when I found that out. It makes sense though, because it was a Has huge your dad written and, a song as good as this? You know, unfortunately not. And I really need to talk to him about Get this. Get on it. I need to yeah. listen, John. There's only can himself need... dad away when he's, ah. you know, when he gets it Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That, well, that has this been no that's encore. The podcast, yeah, that's the podcast. <laughs> it was going pretty well. Um, Hathaway, who uh, moved to Germany, uh, and the track was produced by a German husband and wife duo. Uh, it was uh, Dee Dee Halligan and Junior Torello who produced it. This was uh, the debut Great single. Name, Junior oh, Torello, sorry. Junior Torello and Dee Dee Halligan. Just fantastic. Like, And they, I think they produced his other albums as well after that, um, which also, uh, funny enough, was the first album was a massive hit and everything after that was a huge flop. Uh, just sensing just, a pattern? D- never. What are you talking about? One <laughs> hit wonder? <laughs> who is she? Um, what is Love was the debut single and it went straight to number one in 13 countries, including our own We Ireland. Um, of course, Hathaway has been asked a million times, and he finally answered in an interview with Flavorwire, what is love? And he said, people always ask me about what I meant. I meant that what is love needs to be defined by everyone, by his own definition. It's unique and individual. For me, it has to do with trust, honesty, and dedication. Dave, what is love? I'm still trying to figure it out. It's been, it's been many years now, and I don't think I've, I've, I've come too close to cracking it. But it is one of those great mysteries, isn't it? It's just one of life's great mysteries. I think Adam has the answer, though. Adam, what is love? Um, I mean, that was something I was going to ask. Did we ever find out? <laughs> love is being here with you two gentlemen doing this podcast on a Thursday evening. It's so sweet. 
Yeah. You're so, so cute. Would you stop that now? And rest assured, I would absolutely say that if it was <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, any other, in any other setting, you would have absolutely <laughs> said it. Uh, obviously, the most famous use of the song is on Saturday Night Live with uh, Jim Carrey and then used in the film, the accompanying film, then A Night at the Roxbury, which I have never seen. No, um, have I? Um, is he in it? Jim Carrey, yeah, he's like he's one of the dudes that's shaking his head. That's well, like I wasn't the, sure he was in the movie. Right? I thought it was like Will Ferrell and like Chris Kattan. And I think you might be right. I think he's in the film. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna it's get our not live that important. It's an SNL cast alumni, famous SNL alumni. Yeah, most featured. SNL films don't tend to be good. Yeah, I guess Wayne's World is the exception. Yeah, I think so. Um, Maybe there's one other one. The uh, the most famous uh, the these songs always end up then being sampled in other tunes, or whatever. And the one that I completely forgot about until it showed up my on my Instagram there recently was uh, it was used in uh, the song uh, No Love by Eminem and Lil Wayne from oh, yeah. uh, Recovery in 2010. I think that album came out in 2011, uh, which was just Lil Wayne rapping about... I think Eminem's talking about having a large penis. I think that's mostly what a lot of his songs are. Um, Hathaway is now living a very comfortable life and, according to Wikipedia, is playing for a German baseball team called the Kufstein Wolfsons. And he's a part owner as well, or like an investor. So I, I hope that they play that every time someone hits he a home hits run. A homer, yeah. <laughs> he has to. It'd be, it would be a sin if he didn't. It would be an absolute sin. But yeah, no, What Is Love is like one of those tracks that like... I think it just becomes everything in your life for a while or whatever where it's like all you can listen to and it's it's it's, a, because, it's so associated with the time in your life it was such a period yeah like, but it's still it's still it's still huge you yeah. know and it feels like contemporary in a way mm-hmm. and it's a heavyweight pick Hugh thank you very much and you've left me with no choice oh no but to unleash oh, my number three oh, let's no. go It is, of course, on Quand une fois. I was really hoping you would do the full French thing that Madame et Monsieur, le DJ, le tonnerre. Maybe it's Ryan Tuberty. I'm not going to do it. Madame, Madame, Monsieur. On Quand une fois. No, it doesn't work. It's Sash with an exclamation mark. Hugh, where is Sash from? Gotta be French, right? You're saying... Well, Sasha, I, sh- I should know as well that despite the video appearances of one guy going at it, it is, of course, the classic case of it's a group. It is a group. It's a group. You're saying you're saying France. Okay. Well, now I'm going to. If I know it's a group, I'm going to now say that the French speaking is a throw off, and I'm going to say Germany. Correct. Yay! <laughs> Sasha Lapsen, Ralph Kapmeyer, and Thomas Ludke. Sash. The <laughs> singer, of course, is uh, not in the group and is French. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, I'm wrong. It's French vocals by a German vocalist. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> her name is Sabine Oms. Omez. Fill me, to be fair. But yeah. her, do you know what her stage name is? What? Ash. Her stage, no, what's her stage, her stage name? name, which also has an exclamation mark at the end of it, is Encore. Oh, so it's like I'm back. So there will be an no, there encore. Is there is an, an encore. encore. She's the anti version of this podcast. Yeah, this was a move massive. On, move on, quickly. <laughs> quick, 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 quick. <laughs> this was a massive, massive song. It came out in 1997, January of 97. Second single off Sasha's debut album, which is called "It's My Life." Mm-hmm. Dash the album. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and uh, to date, one of Sasha's biggest hits. Yeah, no shit. Can you name any more Sash songs? There is one that sounds very similar to this. Ecuador is, is it? That, is that it? Probably. I learned yeah. about Ecuador last week. Am I right in saying week. Richard Chambers has picked that before uh, in a top five? A sash song. I, 
We'd have to go way back. I don't, not recently. Potentially World Cup. I'll ask him tomorrow. I'm going to check that. I'll ask him and everyone else ask him. Next time Richard puts up a thing on Instagram where he wants a question being asked to him, ask him how he feels about German production trio <laughs> Sash. <laughs> <laughs> to see what he says. So yeah, the song was massive. It was everywhere. Again, I'm going back to top 30 hits here. I'm going back to like, you know, music channels or which I didn't have for a while. You yeah. know, I got them eventually, you know, mm-hmm. middle class upbringing. That's who I am. <laughs> There's no shame in it. I'm not going to hide. Yeah. I'm not going to hide. Come get me. Um, but it was everywhere. It was just like a constant thing. And, you know, I listened to, I guess, I guess like I, I don't know if I listened to dance stations exclusively, but this, I, I would have made, I would have made myself some cassette tapes off the radio and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And you'd buy like stuff like Energy Rush 2. Oh, yeah. I thought about picking like The Shaman, Ebenezer Good for this, or, but I was like, I don't think it's quite. Eurodance, yeah, it feels more kind of acid house or something. Yeah, or, and it's very like not of the continent. No. It's very UK. It's very UK. Yeah. You're right. It is very UK. Well, who, as we know, especially now, are certainly not to be associated with foreshadowing. The if yeah. you ask me, yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So uh, let's look at some critical reaction to encore une fois. What are the people on the street saying about encore une fois? Well, I think during the track playing there, Adam turned to me and said, "It really reminds me of Insomnia by Faithless." I used to get the yeah. two mixed up all the time. In fairness, and I did say this whenever I was asked to to write a little paragraph about what this is. You never remember the track names of this. Like I, like I knew that song. Like the when I was going through tracks trying to find, I was listening to loads of Eurodance playlists, and I could not name a single one of the tracks. And I put it on, and it immediately I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, now I know this song absolutely." So well, I'm it, not surprised at all that you mixed the two up. Well, I should say uh, Barry Walters for the magazine The Advocate is going to be your advocate, Adam, because <laughs> he said ripping off all those intensely dramatic Rollo mixes for Faithless, uh, yes, and others. So there you go. So I will say. That there, so a bit of background around this time, there was like one synthesizer that kind of fueled what I imagine will fuel the rest of the picks for this <laughs> for this top five, but also all previous ones as well. Yeah. And it's like particularly in like those like lead synths that you heard is the like the Korg M one, yeah. and like it had that like kind of janky piano. It had like that synth kind of pop sound, like whatever you heard there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you actually hummed Faithless by Insomnia there. I mean, probably. probably. (laughs) By the way, sorry, just in the subject of uh, of Faithless, Rollo, who I just mentioned, can you name uh, Rollo's famous sister in music? Sister? Yeah. Rollo Rollo Constantino Mali Armstrong, who is his famous sister, also a musician. I genuinely... Let's see, Rollo. I was just imagine every time someone says famous sisters in music, I always just go immediately for Natasha Bedingfield, even though I know her her name, name, I know that's not her right. Her name is Florian Cloud de Bunavel O'Malley Armstrong, but you know her better. Florence Flor- and the Machine. Florence and the Machine. As Dido. Oh, what? okay. Talk about music royalty. Adam, sorry I stepped all over your, your moment there. Not at all. I was just trying to, like, provide a bit of context as to why everything sounds the same it was just because mm-hmm. this synthesizer was so incredibly popular mm-hmm. it had like those bass sounds as well that you hear like the offbeat bass sounds and mm-hmm. everyone was using like the same drum samples and stuff maybe like slightly cha- changed up but like the same kind of basses the TR-707 TR-909 mm-hmm. the TR-808 um, all by Roland and yeah it was like a real interesting kind of clashing of everything together but it was like everyone's different take on these particular instruments which were widely available at the time and are now very much revered for their part in electronic music and how it all developed back to the critical reception for a second British magazine Music Week gave it 3 out of 5 saying topping the import charts and with a buzz on dance radio this storming floor filler could well find its way into the top 40 it did Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we got a reviewer from Smash Hits saying, Think Fateless's Insomnia in a trancy continental style. Big on the synth stabs, massive on banging 4-4 beats, huge on some husky French birds screaming on Cornfoir. It was a different time, everybody. It was a different time in journalism, really. You can hear the guy typing that with a cig hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> at like 4am. Uh, chart-wise, chart-wise, uh, peaked at number one in Ireland. Really? And Greece. Of course. Adam's yeah. beloved Greece. My beloved Greece. That makes that checks out. It also went to number one on the Euro chart. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the only chart that matters. Yep, the Euro chart. So there you go. Massive song and just again, so indicative of the time. I don't care how derivative it is. It's a belter. Hugh, what you got? I got another belter, is what I got. Um my number three pick is I think arguably one of the first viral songs ever, as in, in terms of internet viral. Um, but it still absolutely slaps. And you're you're not ready. Hello. Salut. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember the rest of it. Uh, that is Dragostai Dinte. I think I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, by the Moldovan band Ozone. Uh, and the words Dragostai Dinte means love from the linden tree, which is quite sweet. It's That's what it means in Romanian. Uh, huge, huge track in 2003. It was number one in over 27 countries. 27 um, countries who need to apologize oh, immediately. It's a banger. And, and I may need to apologize because I have a confession to make. I own the CD. <laughs> You do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's still in my parents' house somewhere. As it should be. As it absolutely should be. Listen, if I wasn't six when that track came out, then I would have had that on CD as well. Um, no, it's it's still I hugely, I mean, I feel like it's so ingrained in that time period. And especially because then with the advent of YouTube and the Numa Numa guy, it was one of the first massively viral tracks where I feel like before, as the time with like TikTok and stuff now were tracks are basically made or break made or broken on the internet now and um, this is one of the first like kind of organic showings of you know this guy just wanted to dance around his bedroom and put it up on the internet and then it helps make the track absolutely explode uh, one of the members uh Sirbu, was talking about it in 2020 and he said that people are still listening to our music but for me as a producer songwriter and solo artist it's almost it's taken almost 10 years to establish a life after Dragos Day. it's not easy after such success to keep the vibe up but I've worked a lot set new goals and I've always tried to move forward without stopping um, it's pretty hard to do though whenever you write a song that is you know that has potentially three different titles where it's like some people know it as Dragos Day today then there's Numa Numa and then there's Maya He Maya Ha um, it's, a, it's a banger though where where were you Dave when, uh, when <laughs> this was everywhere I was uh, slaving over a hot movie counter in ExtraVision. Oh my god! Yeah, was this playing in the? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, loved every minute, every single Fucking time. Fucking hate it. <laughs> I just found it. I think. I, well, clearly, I'd outgrown my Eurodance phase by this point for mm-hmm. a start. But yeah. also, yeah, I just well, it was just too willfully obnoxious for me. Fair. Um, and you're right. You know, even even outside of the context of the guy, but like, it did feel viral in a way. It felt memed or something. It felt. Mm-hmm instantly packaged to be like 
Oh, we're we're laughing at this, aren't we? But yeah. but we're still listening to it for some reason. Yeah, it was just always on because like when I worked there, there was only one music channel available to us. Um, not like my aforementioned middle class house, you know. Um, <laughs> my middle class job, unfortunately, only had one uh, music channel, and it was the Box. Oh yeah. So it was like the Box, which is a very chart kind of UK channel, and mm-hmm. you mostly got stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, the closest it came to any kind of alternative music was, uh, like. My Chemical Romance is I'm Not Okay, I Promise. Mm-hmm. So when that would come on like three times per shift, I'd be like, fucking turn it up. Get that shit up. <laughs> yeah, big time. And like Green Day, you know, that kind of stuff. But like anything that was vaguely char-friendly, but mostly it was just kind of like, you know, you get some, you get like Sugar Babes and whatever, but like, but this would be on a lot. At least you got that amazing music video where they're like dancing on the wing of a plane. This did not make it better for me. <laughs> it did not? You didn't get to see them dancing and turning into little animated versions of themselves and like... Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe this is your bellissima, you know, like maybe this is what got you in. Potentially. Because as noted, you were a disgustingly young person while I was working a job. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, no, I, I could never vibe with this. I understand why people can, but even mm-hmm. like now it comes on in a club. Not that I'm in clubs, but you know, <laughs> if I was and this came on, I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know? No, this is very much a nostalgia. It feels like for forced me. fun, the song. You know, that's what, kind of what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. But am, am I wrong? Am I just too black hearted? You know? <laughs> are, are am I too you, full of venom? I think so. Venom, 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 venom. No, if Venom was here. You no, know. if he was here, well, he'd have <laughs> he, a lot to say. He'd turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> that evil, evil man. Uh, no, I would, I would say, like, for me, like these kind of tracks, whatever, especially because it's like so a lot of my picks are from before either before i was born or before i was able to form memories jesus fucking christ not to make you all feel so much older you didn't choose the eurodance life uh, it, it chose me i was born in i was bo- <laughs> molded by it so so this was like brand new for me like you know this and like you know like the uh, cheeky brand girls new, band they were, huh? <laughs> oh no no they were not <laughs> But like this and like like you know like the chi- the chica like the chica girls and horrendous. Like, uh, yeah. I, I will not have their name spoken wrong. It's the cheeky girls. Oh, cheeky girls. Sorry, but it was, we, come on now. But wasn't, it, but wasn't it uh, chica? Wasn't that the the ch- or the cheetah girls or who am I thinking? Lads, we all know it's la femme du chica. <laughs> oh, sorry, of course, yeah. And you would not believe it, German. Uh, like like every last one of them uh that's not true i don't think but uh the cheeky girls were like that like that whole era of music and like the bob the builder version of like mambo number no. five again and, like, you're talking about novelty music. crap here you're talking about like comedy music that was trash and uh, i hate to but, to, but god to i love acid rain on your childhood here <laughs> but that's what i gotta do but it's a severe nostalgia pick and that's why that's fair 100%. that's fair I, that's... I i fear i'm being i'm being very mean to love the hugh car and that's not what i want to do Listen, i'm gonna i'm gonna cry the whole way home the whole way back to... I think we need to counter our way, counter our way back into our friendship and counter our way back into mm. this top five. Absolutely. So here's my number two. Out of sight. <laughs> On the floor. Absolutely. It's DJ Jean and it's the launch. Mm-hmm. Get ready for that launch. Hugh, where is DJ Jean from? Well, Jean, obviously a very French sounding name. Uh, so I'm going to say German. The man is Dutch. No! Oh, 
Oh, I thought you were going to do a, do a runner on us. <laughs> yeah, all I, of them every, every single one of them was He's German. He's born Jan Engeler. <sighs> so, yeah, yeah Hard House single, Countdown themed, The Launch. And, uh, you know, classic, classic 90s thing. So during the early 90s, though, he had a Friday night residency in a club in Amsterdam before it burned down. Sounds like a bit of a scam to me. Tunes were too fire. If they had the Mercury thing there, it would have been. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone would have been a winner. Song was released on the 30th of August, 1999. Yes, another example of why it was the greatest year of all time. (laughs) Peaked number two on the UK singles chart the following month. Um, Yeah, not a lot to say about this one apart from just the audaciousness of it. Adam pointed something out there, though, when we listened to it, and you're not wrong. Countdown's not even in time. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a hesitation moment as well where it's like, five... F- four? four. <laughs> like, just play the fucking sampler, don't like. So, yeah. so how does he get away with it? I haven't a fucking clue. It feels like a crime. But you agree that it's a great crime, though, right? Uh, well, uh, a I crime was, of passion. The, a crime of passion. <laughs> I will say the payoff is absolutely like it overshadows the fact that there is quite clearly a countdown that's not in time in a song. Yeah. That just to me, I'm not into... Getting away with audio murder. Pure, pure it audio me, murder, It made yeah. me think of a song that I didn't pick for this because I don't think it fully qualifies, but you know what it reminds me of somehow in a weird way? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the fucking called? Freestylers? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Bomb Funk MCs. That's Freestyler. Bomb Funk MCs. Rock a microphone. Great There's tune. a slight kind of, I think, you know, variant musical in there. More drum and bass, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's quite Eurodance, yeah. but, mm. it, you know, I, I can see where it kind of came from. But again, this was, again, not to keep just saying, hello, I used to watch Top 30 Hits, but I did. It was the only thing we kind of had for a while. Mm-hmm. And this was, I feel, I feel like this was on that show for two years. It just would not leave the charts because <laughs> it always had the dance charts as well. And it'd be like, well, of course, a song from two years ago would just pop up here because it's still being played on club circuits or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like he's still going, I think. But I, you know, I, I don't know what else he's ever done. And as far as I'm concerned, he never needed to do anything else. <laughs> he brought us all to orbit that day. <laughs> I'm still not ready for that launch. Fantastic. It's that's just, fantastic word Smith reading. It really isn't. Um, it, it was a, just the dirtiest of drops. Like I feel like that's like what it the, was. Like, it was. Re- it, was <laughs> it was hard. Like yeah. I was like. Fucking yeah! All right, let's have a bit of this. Like I don't know, it was really good. It was I feel really like if you good. were having like any kind of situation with someone, like you know, and that came on, you everyone would just stop what they were doing and pay respect to that drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could someone play that as heist music? You could be like, having, like, like a, you could have like a blood soaked showdown with somebody, and you'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, let me just yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> let, let, me, let me get my first me, generation iPod Touch. <laughs> let me put the knife down for a second. <laughs> Yeah, DJ John, the launch. Um, anytime it comes on in pop culture, which isn't enough, mm-hmm. if you ask me, it, it, it's always welcome. We need to bring it back. Absolutely, one hundred percent. All right, that's my silver medal. <laughs> well, my, well, my silver medal is one again, another nostalgia pick, another one that's more of uh, of my childhood, more of my era, uh, and one that I, I agonized over. But I was like, Do you know what? I kind of, I can't not put this on the list. So here's my number two. Yeah, Arthur. Uh, listen, well, listen. Every time we touch, I get that feeling. You know what I mean? Uh, as, I, as I said, Adam, as I was going, that was liquid Eurodance. There, it's absolutely and very much late Eurodance. Well, like, late Eurodance. I feel like it's late Eurodance. One hundred percent, because it's two thousand and seven is when that track came out. How did someone make a song sounding like that that late? 
because listen, they were they knew to to go to the greats yeah. to go back to Undeniable. the. Wait, wait, back wait, wait, to the I'm, I'm looking this up now. It says it came out in 2005. Oh, but the album I think came out in 2007. Yeah, right with that though. Maybe it just kept coming out one of those ones. Yeah, yeah. where they were just like we're going to release it. She's going to do a release again. So yeah, tell us who this is. So this is Cascada with Every Time We Touch. Q, where <laughs> are Cascada from? I should know this because I literally, it's the, it's the only one that I didn't write the country down for. Uh, I think they're, I'm nearly sure they're German. He's correct. Yay. I'm nearly, I was like a hundred, I was like, but of course, this year. is the classic case of people think that Cascada is the blonde woman in the videos. She's, she's, she's part of the group. Yeah. But she's a singer, but it's like Scooter, you know? Exactly. Scooter is not that blonde guy. Really? Yeah, Scooter's the group. I did not know that so one. So the lady in question who sings this banging tune mm-hmm. is Natalie Horler. Yes. And I'm gonna look up Scooter now because yeah, it's like it's I, I, that guy's name is like Christian something. That's gas. But no, it was. Uh, band. Hang on, I have it here. Oh, you have it here. Oh no, sorry. How did I get this wrong? The name of the singer from Scooter. It's even better. Is H.P. Baxter <laughs> with two X's. Yeah, no, that. that is peak Eurodance. Peter Gerdes. I love him. Fucking diehard villain. I was trying to listen to. I was. I was gonna pick um, like jumping all over the world. Like as glad one of the. Remember? In, remember? In yeah, Do- I'm glad you didn't too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like all the tra- all the tracks like Lord have mercy. <laughs> I, I, should, I should have picked like um, one of the songs where it's like it's not a bird, it's not a plane. Oh, yeah. it must be Dave who's on the train. <laughs> Great song with a message. I think. Remember? Sorry, about to die here for a second. Now that I've derailed myself here um, to finish. <laughs> myself in many ways remember Die Hard with Vengeance like the best film ever when the, you, you have that scene film. where like they're explaining to Bruce Willis who the villain is yes we've all seen Die Hard with Vengeance yes I yeah. think I remember seeing film it film from 995 some spoilers coming up oh, turns yeah. out the villain guys is connected to the villain from the first movie no and he's told this in a tense sequence in the back of a police car and they're like Peter Krieg, oh, sorry, a, bit, a little bit back any of me there, sorry. Uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter Krieg. Peter, yeah. P- Peter Krieg <laughs> joins uh, us now. <laughs> Peter, what do you want? What can we do to stop you? With a vengeance. No, no. He goes, uh, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, Peter Krieg was born, uh, <laughs> I can't do it. He's, he's like, Simon Peter Gruber. He's Hans Gruber's brother. <laughs> oh my God. He's, the guy sounds kind of like that. Okay, anyway, look, back to Cascada, please. Yeah, your favorite song of all time, you say? I think so. Uh, no, it's uh, it's a, just one of those songs that, that fully is permanently stuck in my head. Like, no matter where I am, if that comes on, I'm immediately in a good mood. And I'm glad that it still is like that because she's still touring and she is coming to Ireland soon. She's playing in both in Cork and in Dublin. Again, they're a band. You're being disrespectful to the two she, of the members. Uh, of the sorry, group. sorry. I apologize to Mannion and DJ Mannion and DJ Yanu. I apologize profusely. I didn't realize though. So the reason why one of the problems I had with picking tracks for this is that a lot of Eurodance is uh, covers of other songs changed into Eurodance style tracks, like covers, whatever. True, very true. So because I was going to pick like Heaven by Tiesto, which is like the version of the Brian Adams song. Cascada has done a version of um, DJ Sammy, I think. Uh, DJ Sammy, yeah, yeah, of course. I think Tiesto was somewhat involved. I oh, think, well, listen, he's been. He, I mean, spiritually, he's been around. He has else, been around, yeah. but uh, and he's got a Daggio for strings as well, which is another yeah. just like literally just like they took like a classical tune and then just put like dirty cents over it. Um, so I was going to try and be like, okay, no, I'm not going to include any covers, whatever. And then I found out that every time we touch is actually interpolating a chorus from a song uh, by a woman called Maggie Riley and she's currently touring who do you think she's currently touring with I mean it could be anybody you gotta give us some so she's like a like a folksy kind of like 80s kind of rock 
singer kind of style thing. When you say she's touring with someone, is she opening up for an act or is she she's playing in the band of an act? She's op- she's opening up for a famous Irish act. Lancome. Nope. Good guess though. It was a great oh, guess. Uh, are they trad? Nope. Oh crap. Okay. It's a Hosier? No. No, it's a it's a it's a of a similar era of the 80s. And uh, had great success in Europe as well. Johnny Logan. Johnny Logan. He touring? He's still touring, and he's still touring with Maggie Riley. So okay. good for them. Um, so yeah, I couldn't believe it when I found out that it was you know a sneaky little cover. But yeah, that song is another like it's just a soundtrack of a summer, and I think it's going to be the soundtrack for the rest of my summers, honestly, because it's to just me, to like me, that and like evacuate the dance floor as well. Just all those tracks. <laughs> the problem with this though, it's so tied to that kind of late two thousands era, and it's like to me, it's the sound of like rural Irish DJs in nightclubs. Yeah. Just being like, you know, get yourself up for the drinks, two euro drinks. You know, yeah. ladies, drink free. We That's had, right, come on. We had like, Mr. Wild. Mr. Wild was the DJ. And I think still is the DJ in the Gaeltacht when he shows up for the like the teenage discos that they run uh, for the kids like that come to learn Irish or whatever. Uh, it's this guy called Mr. Wild. And I'm nearly sure it's the same USB that he's been using since 2004. Because if I was broke, then a, you know. Listen, look exactly. Look, if you look anywhere that you can still listen to Flow Rider, <laughs> Adam, Adam is shaking his head. Low by Flow Rider. Same USB. USBs weren't around when that fellow. Yeah. He's probably still he's got an eight-track recorder. Oh, one hundred percent. He's an optical cable. He's mainline directly into his cassette stereo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Time to evacuate the dance floor, everybody. Well, uh, before we get onto the <laughs> onto the number one, it That's was true. it was yeah. No, Mr. Wild. I, I think about him all the time because I had to work as a as a, a kenner then in the Geltacht and literally like, you know, I'd been there you know because the, the glory of work, living in the Geltacht is that um, you know they're only there like there are groups that show for three weeks and then they're gone and it's like the, the world is ending they're never going to see these people again we have a new gang coming in within like 24 hours if not less like probably like three hours later we've got like a new crop of people coming in so we would be going to all these discos all the time whatever and then when I was working there as a kenner it was literally the same playlist like over and over again and then maybe with Despacito added to it that was like the only new addition that got on um, but it's just listen anywhere anywhere that I can listen to Cascada is a, is a safe place for me like this studio yeah you know? I mean we're never going to play it here ever again but you know <laughs> I can't guarantee I won't <laughs> oh it too Adam and, and I can't guarantee that I won't pick Cascada again for a, for a future top five okay well look my number one I think is the like I was obsessed with this for a time. Mm-hmm. I even bought like a Euphoria compilation CD. Oh. Because that's right, kids. Back in the day, Euphoria wasn't just some pervert show <laughs> for you to watch, you know, with your curtains closed. The real Euphoria. The real, the real Euphoria. Came from the Ministry of Sound, okay? Oh, and yeah. it was in the form of a compilation CD, and they were fucking class. They were incredible. They had very distinctive artwork, you know, just the word Euphoria with kind of a blue planet-esque yes, hue around extra, it yeah. and a green one and blah blah it was a whole time and so once again we're going back to the late 90s of course and yeah I mean this is a song that raises questions I would say existential questions. questions let's go Uh, it's Alice DJ It's Better Off Alone Did you pick that for your number one? I did not pick that So no crossover No Incredible. crossover we, at we all were, We were worried about crossover mm-hmm. um, So Alice DJ uh, You might be surprised to learn Listener mm-hmm. And Hugh Alice DJ 
isn't a woman. What's the name of a group? Where? You, <laughs> where, Hugar? Where? To where? Where yeah. are Alice DJ from? I'm going to say, for old time's sake, I'm going to say Germany. It's the Netherlands. Not again! No! <laughs> Not again! It's the Netherlands. Uh, Alice DJ. Uh, so yeah, there are uh, lots of people in this group, my lord. Uh, formed in 1998. Oh this God. is their debut single. Mm-hmm. Released in 1999. Jesus. And again, what, I'm telling you guys. Come on. And peaked. There was just no better year ever. Best year ever. You know, we didn't have global boiling then. Didn't have airport security. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Terrorist attacks were much easier to plan. That, <laughs> Back in the day. That is correct. In those halcyon days of the late wrong. 90s. Um, again, this was just like, the first time I heard this, I was like, hook this to my veins. <laughs> oh, I loved it, man. Yeah. I fucking loved it. It's it's serotonin in a song. Like it really is. Yeah. It's just so, I thought about picking like, you know, maybe like, um, oh God, I like, I, Silence, the delirium. Song. Oh, yeah. Mm. Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, but yeah. she's Canadian, so that automatically disqualifies her. Yeah, she can't so, be Eurodance. But, it, but that was kind of a, of the same kind of time period. It's that kind of very, like, just like, just a rush, you know, a genuine adrenaline mm. rush with these tracks. Um, so, one of the guys from the band, his name is Sebastian Molinge. I'm sure mm. I'm pronouncing that incorrect. Uh, he said he invented the lyric, do you think you're better off alone? Now, I want to just jump in there for a second. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you can... What a claim to make. I don't know if you can uh, like claim yourself as the Thomas Edison of... of being better off alone. Of this particular lyric. Like, what a fucking sentence that I is. Invented you know, I invented the, the lyric. lyric, do you think you're better off alone? You know, alone? no one ever thought of what there should be better off alone before the song. And then people were thinking, maybe I would be better gonna, off alone. I'm going to pop quiz you. Uh, Hugh, you go first. Yeah. Why do you think he invented the lyric? Why do you think he invented off the lyric? Was it a conversation that he had with a bandmate? No. Adam? He was married and wasn't sure if he made the right choice. It's a good guess, but no, his romantic partner left him. That's why. He got dumped. And then he invented a lyric. <laughs> right? he, he spent ages in the lab. He, he was said, cooking up. I started humming the vocal melody while the track was playing and we decided to add vocals. It made the emotion of the song as real as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's realer than this, baby. There's nothing, nothing speaks to the heart more than uh, a very loud synth and then someone asking, do you think you're better off alone? It's pretty great, like, isn't it? What is the, the crack with really existential questions over hopping beats because it was the same with Hathaway the same with like loads of those tracks whatever like I mean, well, they, they cover like you know like really like Heaven is a pretty sad song mm-hmm. I think sometimes when um, it came out it wasn't loved the critics it was received with some passiveness passiveness yeah they said it was a bit retro and a bit kind of straightforward mm-hmm. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's 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 ground it's groundbreaking I think it just it just worked in terms of just the delivering the rush that you needed at that, at that time mm-hmm. it has like it has so many hooks in it yeah like obviously there's like the do 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 that the synth the main synth and then there's the vocal melody but there's also listen this is going under the radar here no but worries. do you know the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god iconic which also calls back to Bellissima by DJ Quicksilver yeah. that we heard earlier on uh, they're all the same samples they all use the same samples like the thing that was used in every fucking song in the 90s ever yeah 100% was like all of these are fine I'm Blues literally starts with the same sample 100% do we think um, do we think that it's aged well yeah I, I do actually 
Wow, hot take. I was going to say, I think that it's still listenable, but I think it's very much of that era. I don't know if it's, yeah. I don't Vibe, know it's still... Vibe magazine uh, say it's a timeless track in their 30 dance tracks from the 90s that changed the game. Yeah. Complex magazine said it perfectly embodies the 1990s Eurodance, Eurotrans sound that took over clubs. And today we're hearing the big room house scene build upon what was started here. Uh, BuzzFeed put it at number 24 in the list of the 101 greatest dance songs of the 90s. And uh, Megan Garvey of MTV said it was an example of Eurodance nostalgia, mm-hmm. and the cult status is mostly retroactive. Uh, said that songs such as Better Off Alone left you with an aching sensation, as if something had been left unsaid. The undercurrent of melancholy seemed more akin to mid-90s tracks like Labouche's Where Do You Go or Hathaway's What Is Love. Hell yeah, brother. Dance tracks built around unanswerable questions. I think so. I think that's a real, like, I think it is quintessentially 90s. Like, I think that it's definitely a thing where it's like, like if I heard if I had never heard that song before, and this was my first time hearing it, I'd be like, "Yeah, absolutely, that's the '90s, 100." Um, and and it's just at the end as well, it just really, just really Getting slipped in, 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 yeah, just you know, just finish line stuff, <laughs> just slipped in under the radar. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's still an absolute banger, it's still 100. One of those tracks that if it comes on, because I I do still actually frequent clubs. Um, if it does come on, then, as is your want, yeah. as is my need, um, I would lose my mind to so when you're when, you, when you're chatting to a honey. As you like to call them, Dave. Come on. As I like to, as I, I like to call I'm them. Trying, I cannot let I'm that no, I'm, I'm trying to that, paint him as a. I'm that, trying to the use. That's as nowhere a, near the most loaded thing. I, we, I was talking to a friend the last day. It was me and uh, two of my mates, and uh, one of them said they were like, "I was before I had seen Barbie," and she was like, "Oh yeah, you'd love Barbie." And she turned my other friend. She was like, "Yeah, you don't. I don't think you would enjoy it as much." And he was like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, you know, because like he's like a feminist." <laughs> 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 oh, wow. I was like, Jesus, the poor man. And he was like, and he, and now he you went to be like, I am. And I, and I was like, and I threw your arm around her shoulder. And I was like, listen, I'm an ally. Um, yeah. and he, he was like, what the hell? And he went to see it and he loved it. Um, out of spite. Yeah. Out of spite. Yeah. Purely out of spite. Ah, jury's still out on him. Yeah. <laughs> did, if, did he come in and say, no, I loved it actually. No, I loved it actually. Okay, I fine. really loved I'll, it. I'll rephrase. So, Hugh, when you're at the nightclub and you're chatting to a woman yes. who happens to be just a normal person and we yes. shouldn't objectify her in any way, 100%. Uh, do you you ask questions like, do you think you're better off alone? I ask them what is love. And then when they leave, I say, baby, don't hurt me. Baby did hurt me. <laughs> baby did <laughs> hurt me repeatedly. Um, yeah, I you think... Can. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add it into my repertoire. I'm, pr- yeah. I'm uh, implying that I have a repertoire. I don't. Um, I just uh, give puppy dog eyes and try not to cry. Oh, for the best. Yeah. I know for the best. Listen, we'll see how we get on. So it's, it's uh, time to start the car. Ah, very good. Very I don't know if it good. is very good. I feel like it's not very no, good. I, I like feel, that. I feel like it's an arrestable offense. It gets to the point where they have to know my surname, though, which I feel like is a you know we're at a we're at a level there. If yeah. I'm if I'm talking to someone, well, we're at level club. one now. We are at level for one. Your, time for your number one. My number one pick, and you know, it was. I think that this was probably the easiest one to pick, but then I was kind of like trying to justify it to myself and trying to pick. But it's just it was such. It embodies such a time in my life and it's been so ingrained in my brain forever that I couldn't imagine picking anything else. But this is my number one.
cheered as if like I scored the winning goal in a cup final. It, it's it's incredible. Uh, do you know what? We can Tell us who it is. It is Gigi D'Agostino with the song L'Amour Toujours, which means love always, which is something that I would say about this track. I will always love this song every time it comes on. The, do you know what the worst thing was? Was trying to pick a clip to choose from that tune because I was like, do I include that like really iconic intro of like the really like slow synth, whatever, and then just suddenly just, I don't know, it's just a... <laughs> um, or do I include that's a great like, impression by the way it's pretty good that's, that's my, my special talent is that I can sometimes do impressions of dance songs I can do a really good uh, drum and, and uh, like drum and bass or whatever drum and, and snare you're going to have to do it now <laughs> very good very Thank good very much. I, hope that mic. Comes, yeah, I was going to say I hope that this you can sample that if you want I, I might do <laughs> you're more than welcome to um, do you pack any listen to drum and bass oh well these funky beats are surely moving my feet to a brand new level whatever happened uh, to the guitar uh, I don't know why it's gone out of style for this strange rap music but, but what is what is this this is my heart it's bumping so this song is amazing sound. by the way it's incredible do absolutely you, amazing do you know because I forgot about this what movie does this play over the credits for Uncut Gems damn right it absolutely does I totally forgot about that the end credits the end credits yeah yeah. it was um, I think everyone was like what the fuck it was a very much a, so I watched that film with my mother um, why would you do this to yourself and to her for that matter uh, yeah she because well she loved it and usually my mom has a, has a funny taste in things where she is a very very old fashioned Donegal woman like a proper like uh, like when you think Donegal when you think Bannon T like she was like she's literally a Bannon T like, like if she was Bannon T um she embodies all that, but she loved Breaking Bad and she loved uh, Uncut Gems. She absolutely adored it. But hearing that song at the end, after this like super high pressure, and I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but like it's like a very high tension film. Um, and for it all to pay off with L'Amour Toujours at the end of it is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, I didn't love the movie, but I did love this selection. I, th- I think it's good. Uh, Higgs, Dave Higgins, friend of the show, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember saying to him, I was like, I think he's watched like three or four times. And I was like, but it's so stressful. And he's like, not for me. Uh, he's like, I find it quite comforting. I was like, okay. <laughs> he looks at you and he said, this is how I win. Yeah, um, I thought it's good. I, I just didn't have the people fucking react as if they'd never seen a film before. And yeah. I was like, it's fine. I will say I've only seen it once. And I enjoyed it that one time. But I don't know if it would hold up to me rewatching it again. Yeah, no, I have no interest in revisiting um, it. This song was very recently uh, used again. I came back into, into public conscious with a song In My Mind by Dinoro, um, which is like one of those like... It's like it's like super popular with like with the, with the young ones. I don't know. I feel old. Um, but how is, like, how, okay, how, how is the young ones? How am I getting censured for honey? But the young ones is fine. Oh, young, I don't. I don't like it. Young young ones is engendered or oh, you're trying yeah. to young people. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just the youths of today. Just making sure that's all. Um, it, also, for the record, I use the word honey ironically. You know, yeah, I, know, I, know, I, know. I, I was only taking. No, 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 just just in case. Just okay. you know, people. You know, people are like, man. You know, you're, you're riding that fine line. Well, they'll have to listen now to to further on to the podcast to know that I was indeed taking the mic. <laughs> but uh, that that version of the song has over a billion streams on not, Spotify. Not enough, not which, enough. Yes, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a billion too little. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be ask me. <laughs> those ask are me. weak numbers. Yeah, you, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta pump that up. Those you gotta get that up. We got on those Spotify lists, we got Drake. <laughs> we got Dua Lipa. And Cardi and B. Cardi yeah, B. Like, Gigi D'Agostino hanging back in seventh place. Hey, not up good enough. We gotta get him in there. Gotta get him up there. But yeah, no, this song is just... 
who does a football team? Is, is Celtic? Some, someone plays it whenever they score a goal. Maybe it's a German team. I don't know. Uh, low. It's like it's a quintessential now sports anthem. Quintessential. There was dance also a anthem. thing during like you know, one of the first lockdowns, and like you know, I found a lot of those kind of viral videos quite cloying, mm. even in our time of need. <laughs> but there was like I think like an Italian apartment block or something where yes. like someone was just blaring this, mm-hmm. and everyone was like out in their balconies listening to it, and I was like, that fucking rules. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's yeah. great. It, I mean, that is. It does seem to I mean your reaction alone like it, and hollered guys. oh it it, it it awakened something in you whatever and like even the like the lyrical content of it were like I still believe and like all this and stuff whatever it's just a really uplifting tune like yeah. I, I, you could never listen to that and be it have, bad yeah I should say as well sorry I was anticipating you to pick something else which means that neither of us have picked Darude Sandstorm Darude Sandstorm yeah I was thinking that myself which will be our cover art for the episode by the way Ar- oh yeah archetype like an archetype song. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's a given that that is a... Patient like, Zero. Even yeah. Though, yeah. Even yeah. though it happened many years Probably, after. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just too easy. Maybe it's just too, you know... I think so. It it's was, a bit of a gotcha, isn't and we're it? All, we're all still in that sandstorm, guys. It know? never ended. Some of us have never left. That sandstorm has never subsided. Am I right in saying that the sandstorm, that it, like Darude Sandstorm, like the name of that track comes from like a setting that was on the synthesizer? I think I remember there's like a, there was like rumors going around of like how it, the name came to be. That I'm unsure about. Yeah. But I have recently seen someone recreate the synth oh my God. with the like old hardware. Yeah. And oh. it's like, I think it's, because um, it's the same one that the the prodigy use in voodoo people <laughs> incredible that's and incredible it's like a guitar one of the best songs of all it's time it's a guitar like tone or a guitar distortion or whatever mm-hmm. that they were trying to mimic but yeah they got that instead Q yes where is Darude from I'm gonna say Dutch Finland ah uh, I was closer with that one I was much closer with that one there's also that famous viral video of Dead Mouse accidentally recreating Sandstorm Sandstorm yeah of yeah. him like fiddling about it. like he would stream himself in the studio all the time and he's fiddling about with arpeggios and stuff like that and he accidentally creates Sandstorm <laughs> uh, and then just starts losing his mind in the in the studio but yeah no I was I was thinking you might pick Sandstorm and then I was like like to Lemur to was always going to be my number one like I can't even pretend like I, I think it's say. a much superior one uh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with Sandstorm not being here you mm-hmm. know I think we've had an, a very comprehensive overview actually I think if anyone wanted to, to dig deep into Eurodance I think we've given them a, a good education yeah not Thank a single God. bad song in the bunch can I say maybe Vanga Boys I, no, sorry I, <laughs> oh fucking, excuse me <laughs> sorry sorry the Ozone side obviously I despise it can I say that every single song on this list I think we've probably heard at a carnival 100% <laughs> Do you, know, do you know the way it's like or even at a festival you know the way they have like the roller coasters or whatever or like the teacups or whatever at a festival yeah. they blast about 30 seconds of each of these songs at like obscene volumes while you're spinning yeah <laughs> when you're spinning so fast in these teacups with a lad going around spinning you the whole time I've definitely been hurled to this song, to these songs oh, I've yeah, 100% yeah. been thrown around or in like a bumper cars thing mm. or whatever uh, at, at the Mary from Dunlow Festival um, or at all the little carnivals and stuff that would be at home all oh, the time the little carnivals they would be listening we have them all the time huge carnival huge carnival huge carnival listen I know that I introduced Hero Dance at the start but Hero Hugh Carnival but Hugh Carnival wins by a landslide 
Hugh Carnival, thank you for joining us. <laughs> no, no, this can't be a thing. On the encore this week. <laughs> no, Great thank, to have you back. Thank you so much. I love coming here. I well, love I'll have you back before the end of the year for sure. I love that. Popular absolutely. guest. Yeah. Oh, but you stopped there now. Oh, yeah. Dahi like, approved, you know? Well, listen, I approved Dahi. I told him the other day I was at Hugh Cars on the show this week and he punched the air in triumph. Oh, my God. So you got a fan there. I lo- Listen, I love Dahi and I, I hope that he loves me as much as Sounds I love like him. Sounds like he does. Sounds like he, he does. He loves me as much as I love him. <laughs> but no, but I, I hope that you also love Sonic Architect Adam. I love him with all my heart. The greatest, so much. in many ways, the most euphoric drop that we get in the studio. Oh, we, we, oh <laughs> hell yeah, brother. <laughs> very, very good. Very. You know what? It was so nice to go back to this because like when people were listening to like, I suppose like emo music or like kind of a bit more like metal stuff, guitar based stuff, angstier stuff. Yeah, yeah. This was my shit. <laughs> like absolutely loved this. And then I ended up getting into like trans podcasts and stuff because I had a first generation iPod Touch going back that to what we were talking about earlier yeah, podcast sorry, back then yeah. like there was a massive thing like all it, it went from like radio to clubs to like first generation podcasting and like all of this stuff was played the whole time so good found an amazing artist that I still listen to today and uh, this was a really nice um, a really nice throwback there was like groups and stuff. There was so there was Ministry of Sound, obviously, but then there was like was it Mad Cats or Groove Cats or something like that? Do you remember? I you know wasn't. What I'm talking about? I wasn't okay with them. I was yeah. more of an above and beyond of and Juno Beats guy. Um, they're like it was kind of more trance heavy stuff, but yeah. it was really good. Yeah, really I just good. remember that like that was a huge thing at the start of podcasting was that people were just fully just posting like mixes and all that kind of stuff. That was it. It was, it was just another forum for DJs to do their thing. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was great. Listen, simpler times. Like all, when you were listening to Eurodance. All I needed was top thirty hits, guys. And- <laughs> <laughs> Atlantic 252 and whatever radio station was doing was doing the business back then I have to give a special thank you to Ivan Boland of the Power Hour on Highland Radio <laughs> for, for giving me this education alright uh, where can people find you Hugh? people can find me on the internet uh, I am Hugh Carr here on Twitter Hugh Carr here on Instagram I'm just Hugh Carr on TikTok once again am I still the only person who plugs his TikTok whenever I'm on um, on the pod or is probably else? yeah probably um, I'm also Hugh Carr on Letterboxd if you want to see my, my, my film review Views, uh, which I will very rarely do because I don't really watch a lot of films. Oh come on! Don't I be, don't. I don't, don't be that don't. guy. Am I, I right in saying don't. five stars for Fatal Deviation? Of course. Yeah, and I, and I and I won't take it back. Ever. That's the that's the pre- the preface that everyone needs. And but you, my my review of it is I've seen it twenty times and it's never good. Five stars. It's the best film ever. Is yeah. what is my hot take. Um, you fit right in a letterbox with that kind of snark. Of know. course, absolutely. Uh, I have a podcast as well, an Irish language podcast, which is called Nashanslia, which is the Irish for the Chancers. Um, and we're doing a live show at EP and there's talks that we might do a little tour around the country potentially we might be potentially bringing the show around to Galway Dublin and uh, we're going to see where else will take us basically Um, so keep an eye out on that but yeah, I'm just floating around, man. I'm just always, I'm, I'm always on Camden Street. You're just doing your thing. Well, we'll take you back to the studio anytime, Hugh. So thank, thank you, you so once much. again. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you're into some Eurodance. I hope it, you know, brightens up your weekend. And of course, the show will be back next week. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>